You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you with us today. Listen, we're on a leadership journey. We're in my leadership edition of the How to Win. And listen, I want to help you. I want to be a blessing to you you, and I believe that your life is going to be transformed, and you're going to lead on a high level. I began a series entitled, Leadership is Not for Wimps. Say that. Leadership is not for wimps. The theme of this series is courage. Leaders have to have courage. You have to have courage to be a great leader. This is part two. This is a three-part series. So in the second part, we're dealing with decision-making, and the title of this part is Decision-Making Will Make You or Break You. Decision-making will make you or break you. In other words, to uh, operate on a high level, you have to have some understanding of how to think through your decision-making, and you have to have thick skin. Now, we've learned in this series, and I've said this uh, more than one on one occasion, that as our leadership skills develop, and increases, our courage will increase. We'll have more confidence as a leader because leaders make decisions. And so we wanted to give you a framework of decision-making. There's no specific process, no cookie-cutter method of making good decisions, but we can have an can have and establish a framework for decision-making, and this framework should include decision-making style, so we talked about that, decision-making traps. We talked about traps uh, in our last episode. And this episode, we're going to talk about decision-making advisors. Great leaders have decision-making advisors. Now, we're going to push criticism and handling criticism over into our third part which will begin in our next episode. So in this, 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 this third lesson on decisions will make you or break you, we want to talk about advisors. The scripture communicates that gaining advice from others is the wisdom of God. So let's look at some scriptures and these podcasts are based off biblical scriptures. Proverbs eleven fourteen in the Darby translation, D-A-R-B-Y translation, it says, where no advice is, 
the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, 22, in the New Living Translation says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. And then our last proof text is Proverbs 20, verse 18, in the Good News Translation. It says, get good advice and you will succeed. Don't go charging into battle without a plan. That's a good translation. I like that. Proverbs 20, 18, uh, Good News Translation, again, says, get good advice and you will succeed. Don't go charging into battle without a plan. That's good wisdom. Now, what kind of advisor, advisors does a leader need? A leader needs five different kinds of advisors that we're going to look at. Number one, at some point in your leadership, in your decision making, you're going to need an expert expert advisor, an expert advisor. An expert advisor is a credentialed person who have studied or who has studied a given area in depth, in detail, and has an understanding of all of this area's variations grasp all the components of it, and can walk you through it. It is a credential person, okay? And you want to check out their credentials. You want to check out references and what they have done lately. The second uh, kind of advisor that you will need at some point in your decision-making is an experienced advisor, an experienced advisor. An experienced advisor is someone who have been in your situation or in a similar situation or more difficult uh, situation than the one you're facing an experienced advisor, someone been in your situation, someone dealing with what you dealt with may have dealt with more difficult things. For example, I am an advisor to other pastors. I pastor for 42 years and eight months. Very successful church, wonderful church. Well, I, I, I'm not necessarily a credentialed, uh, I wouldn't consider myself an expert advisor, but I am an, an experienced advisor. I can advise other pastors because I have been in similar situations that they are presently going through. And that's why God spoke to me uh, near the conclusion of my tenure as a pastor and said, expect to coach a mentor. Why? Because I have experience. And so you're going to need some kind 
of experienced advisor at some point in your decision-making journey. And then thirdly, you will need a sounding board advisor. A sounding board advisor is someone that you trust, someone that you can reveal uh, in depth what's going on. All the areas of the situation is is someone that you can be transparent with. Uh, you can share your emotions, your feelings, uh, regardless of what those feelings are, and someone who can give you an objective, uh, candid, uh, can give you objective, candid feedback. Uh, but this person is someone that you. Trust, and usually, a a a your spouse will fall in this category. My wife, we've been married for forty, a uh, four years. My wife is a sounding board advisor. Uh, our best friend will also fall in this category. We just need someone that we can talk to that we trust, someone that we can be transparent, uh, vulnerable with, share the uh, details of a situation, communicate our emotions, and they can give us objective feedback, candid feedback, Every leader needs a sounding board advisor. The fourth advisor that you will need is a partner advisor. A partner advisor is a colleague, a staff person, maybe an employee. A partner uh, will put in more time with you. Usually, if this is a partner, you spend more time with that person. That person has insight on much of what you're doing in this particular partnership. And that person would be a partner advisor. And then finally, the fifth kind of advisor that every person needs, every person, and that is a spiritual advisor. And I'm a Christian uh, so I'm of the Christian faith, so I'm encouraging you to have a spiritual Christian advisor, someone who can give you counsel that's consistent with the Bible, consistent with the Word of God, and can share the spiritual implications of the decision. Sometimes we make decisions— uh, but we don't know the spiritual implication of, of those decisions. And that's why you need a spiritual advisor. You need someone that's mature in God's word, someone that can give you advice that's consistent with the word, consistent with the scriptures and show you how this decision will impact you this way spiritually or that decision will impact you this way spiritually. You need someone uh, like that. Now, as I conclude this, because there's two parts to this, this episode, 
as I conclude this 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 section on advisors, think about this for a moment. The reality that God instructs us in his word to seek counsel. The word of God instructs us and tells us that it is wisdom to have not just counsel, the Bible says a multitude of counselors. So the the reality that that God in his word instructs us to have counselors or get counselors, surround ourselves with advisors, is it implies, watch this now, it implies that much of his wisdom and direction will come through others. Now, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to slow down because I want you to get this. Because so many people are missing, making bad decisions because they don't have advisors in the multitude of counsel. There is faith that the Bible says. And the very reality or very fact that God in Scripture instructs us to have advisors implies two things. Number one, that much of his wisdom, God's wisdom, will come through others. And then secondly, secondly, implied in the instructions to get an advisors, surround ourselves with advisors, is that making decisions in isolation is an act of disobedience to God. When we make major decisions, not naturally, you're going to have to make uh, decisions on an ongoing basis. You can't always go to everybody to decide whether or not you're going to do this, do this. But I'm talking about major decisions and major decisions. You need to have advice and advisors. And the fact that God instructs us to get advisors and have them implies that making decisions, major decisions in isolation is disobedience to him. And it opens the door to making bad decisions. Now, this second part of the, the, this episode, uh, I want to talk about how to bounce back after a bad decision. How do I bounce back after a bad decision? <laughs> Listen, in 40-something years of pastoring, you make a lot of decisions. And I am thankful, in my opinion, that most of them were good decisions, or I wouldn't have lasted that long. But, you know, I would be lying to you if I said that I didn't make bad decisions. I made some bad decisions, decisions that I would never do again. <clears throat> and really, the truth of the matter is that since decision-making is a process, it's inevitable that as a leader, even having a good heart, loving people, wanting to do things right, wanting to make good decisions, is inevitable in our humanness and our lack of dependency 
on the Holy Spirit, we're going to make some bad decisions. So how do I, and, and the remaining time that I have, how to bounce back after a bad decision? After I make a decision, I'm going to give you some things to think about. Number one, when you make a bad decision and you realize it, it was a bad decision, acknowledge it. Number one, acknowledge it and accept responsibility. The bounce back, you have to acknowledge it and accept responsibility. Number two, if you make a bad decision as a leader, don't throw others under the bus. Don't throw other people under the bus because you ultimately are responsible. In other words, uh, maybe that terminology, uh, maybe you don't understand throwing others under the bus. We're not literally talking about grabbing a person and throwing them under the bus, but it is, is, is symbolic of as a leader, uh, you rather than accepting responsibility, blame others for what happened. You blaming others, throwing them on the bluffs is blaming others when ultimately as the leader of the group or the leader of this leader that you're ultimately responsible. So you want, you want to not, you're not going to, you're not going to bounce back if the way you respond to a bad decision is by throwing others on the bus, because what we're talking about is how you bounce back from you making bad decisions. So number one, you acknowledge it and you accept responsibility because you made the decision. In our prior episode, I was talking about a hospital that we bought as a church. We end up getting out of that, but it was a bad decision for a lot of reasons. It was a bad decision, but I made the decision. I was responsible for making the decision, so don't throw others under the bus. Number three, apologize and communicate concern and respect for those affected. If you make a bad decision and it affected people in a negative way, then you apologize and you communicate concern and respect for those that uh, were affected. Number four, assess the consequences that resulted from the decision. What were the consequences to the bad decision? You have to assess that. Number five, identify a remedy to fix or reduce the damage. If possible, you want to fix, and sometimes you can't fix it because you made the decision. There are some decisions you can't fix, but you want to assess the consequences, number four, uh, that resulted, and then number five, identify a remedy to fix or reduce the damage. And you want to think through that. How can I fix 
or how can I reduce the damage? Number six, you want to learn from it. You want to learn from it. You learn from it in three ways. You try to figure out how it happened. How did the bad decision happen? Secondly, why was the decision made? What was the motive of you making that decision? And then thirdly, establish a system to keep it from happening. So number six, you learn from it. You learn from the bad decision. If you don't learn from it, there is a chance that you will make the bad decision again. And, 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 and in some cases, that's why people are, have multiple divorces, the multiple divorces, you know, multiple. Well, if there's multiple divorces and you're the common denominator, I mean, you were married to this. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but you were married to this person. You are married to a different person. Now, you are married to a third person. Then you are married to a fourth person. Then you are married to a fifth person. And in all five of these situations, it is a divorce, okay? It is obvious that you have made some bad decisions. It's not doesn't mean that you were the only person wrong in the decisions, but in five cases, nobody died. You know what I mean? Five cases, there was a divorce situation. Then it is obvious that you made some bad decisions. So what I'm saying, number six, you bounce back by learning from it. You learn from the decision. You know, I made some bad decisions and I wanted to learn from them. And I, and I made a commitment. I'm not, I made a commitment to not make the same mistakes again. You know, you can't unscramble scramble the eggs. I wish we could. I wish we could, really, to be honest with you. I wish we could because I would unscramble these eggs that I fried, okay? But you can't unscramble them, but you can learn from them. Now, listen at this. Number six, you learn from it. And I gave you three different ways to learn from it. Number one, you try to figure out why or how it happened. How it happened. Five marriages, five divorces. How did that happen? How did that happen? Why was the decision made? Why did I make this decision? 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 And then now I can't do anything about it can't fix these situations. In some cases, people have moved on, remarried and all that, can't fix it. Now, I want to establish a system to keep it from happening again. Because if I have a desire to marry, God will give me another opportunity, even if I've gone through five divorces. He will give me another opportunity because God loves us. But now I want to establish a system to keep it from happening. So if I know my motive in these scenarios, 
and it was off. It was, my motive was not right in this one, my motive was not right, right in this one. If how it happened, I married too f fast in this one, I didn't take time to, to get to know this person, I ignored the warning signals in this one, then you want to establish a system to keep it from happening again. Because if you don't learn from it, you'll make a mistake on the sixth time and God wants you to get it right. And number seven, we're talking about bouncing back from a, a mistake. Don't get fixated on the mistake. Move on. Don't get fixated on the mistake. Move on. I had someone in my life uh, that made a mistake in relation to me. And this person, uh-huh, I believe loved me and I believe I loved the person. Um, and yet, I told this person I was not struggling with the mistake that they had made toward me. I told the person that I forgive them and I wanted a relationship with them and, and that kind of thing. But the person was fixated on the mistake, fixated on the guilt of the mistake and never really moved on, which was so unfortunate. It was just so unfortunate. We all make mistakes. All of us make mistakes. Maybe some of these things that I've said will help you as you go back and meditate on it. But please remember this last thing. Don't, number seven, don't get fixated on the mistake. The regrets, the guilt, the condemnation, and all that stuff, if you're fixated on it, then you can never move on and you can never do better. You can never hit it right. I think God wants us to get it right. And he doesn't throw us away when we get it wrong. Uh, he really doesn't. So, but when we get fixated and we grieve and we mourn and we uh, condemn ourselves and we just stay stuck on it, the mistake, then we can never move on. Listen, this concludes part two of our series, Leadership is Not for Wimps. In our next episode, we're going to begin a three-lesson uh, series on, on criticism, handling criticism, dealing with criticism, uh, because once we understand decision-making and criticism, we can lead with courage. I want to thank you so very much for spending this time uh, with me today. It's a journey. And I'm glad that you're committed to taking this journey with me. I pray that you have a great rest of the, rest of the week and you walk in the fullness of God's plan for your life.